Let's read from the Word of God this morning, Numbers chapter 4, verses 1 to 15, and 2 Samuel 6, 1 to 15. We begin with Numbers 4, the first 15 verses. This is the word of God. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, Take a census of the sons of Kohath from among the children of Levi by their families, by their father's house. From 30 years old and above, even to 50 years old, all who enter the service to do the work of the tabernacle of meeting. This is the service of the sons of Kohath in the tabernacle of meeting, relating to the most holy things. When the camp prepares to journey... Aaron and his sons shall come, and they shall take down the covering veil and cover the ark of the testimony with it. Then, shall, then they shall put on it a covering of badger skins and spread over that a cloth entirely of blue, and they shall insert its poles. On the table of showbread, they shall spread a blue cloth and put on it the dishes, the pans, the bowls, the pitchers for pouring, and the showbread shall be on it. They shall spread over them a scarlet cloth and cover the same with a covering of badger skins and they shall insert its poles. And they shall take a, a blue cloth and cover the lampstand of the light with its lamps, its wick trimmers, its trays and all its oil vessels with which they service it. Then they shall put it with all its utensils in a covering of badger skins and put it on a carrying beam. Over the golden altar they shall spread a blue cloth and cover it with a covering of badger skins and they shall insert its poles. Then they shall take all the utensils of service which they minister in the sanctuary, put them in a blue cloth, cover them with a covering of badger skins and put them on a carrying beam. And they shall take away the ashes from the altar and spread a purple cloth over it. And they shall put on it all its implements with which they minister there. The fire pans, the forks, the shovels, the basins, and all the utensils of the altar. And they shall spread on it a covering of badger skins and insert its poles. And when Aaron and his sons have finished covering the sanctuary and all the furnishings of the sanctuary, then the, when the camp is set to go... Then the sons of Kohath shall come to carry them, but they shall not touch any holy thing, lest they die. These are the things in the tabernacle of meeting which the sons of Kohath are to carry. Then we'll turn to 2 Samuel chapter 6. And we're, we'll also read the first 15 verses, beginning at verse 1. Again, David gathered all the choice men of Israel, 30,000. And David arose and went with all the people who were with him from Baal, Judah, to bring up from there the ark of God, whose name is called by the name, the Lord of hosts, who dwells between the cherubim. So they set the ark of God on a new cart 
and brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. And Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, drove the new cart. And they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill, accompanying the ark of God. And Ahio went before the, the ark. Then David and all the house of Israel played music before the Lord on all kinds of instruments of fir wood, on harps, on stringed instruments, on tambourines, on sistrums, and on cymbals. And when they came to Nacon's threshing floor, Uzzah put out his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen stumbled. Then the anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah, and God struck him there for his error, and he died there by the ark of God. And David became angry because of the Lord's outbreak against Uzzah, and he called the name of the place Perez Uzzah to this day. David was afraid of the Lord that day, and he said, How can the ark of the Lord come to me? So David would not move the ark of the Lord with him into the city of David, but David took it aside into the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. Now it was told King David, saying, The Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with gladness. And so it was when those bearing the ark of the Lord had gone six paces that he sacrificed oxen and fatted sheep. Then David danced before the Lord with all his might and David was wearing a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting, and with the sound of the trumpet. Now the text is the verse 7 um, of that chapter, 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 7. Then the anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah, and God struck him there for his error, and he died there by the ark of God. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, So at certain times, God deemed it necessary to remind his people that he who lives among them is a holy God, an exalted God. Not only did he do that in the Old Testament, but also in the New Testament. He showed that in the young Christian church at Jerusalem right after Pentecost, the believers were of one heart and soul, it says in Acts 4. But then Ananias fell dead at the apostle Peter's feet and later his wife Sapphira also because they lied about a gift they had made to the church and they wanted to exalt themselves in the church. And they forgot in the meantime who God is who they worship. You see, the, the Lord God brings sinners into his church, even the greatest sinners, but those who are brought into his church need to remember that they're only gathered in his church and saved by his amazing grace. 
And wherever God gathers people to himself in his grace, it's of utmost importance, too, that those people continue to remember who God is, who they belong to, that they belong to a holy and awesome God. And no one should take him for granted. No one should worship him except with great reverence because they're dealing with him who is above all. And then worship as he has revealed in his word. And that counts for today too. Our text also warns us today we are to worship and walk with our God in humble submission to his word and in deep reverence for his holiness. And with that in mind, let's listen to the text this morning with this theme. By means of the ark, God reminds us to worship him with obedience and reverence. And we'll pay attention to three things. David and the ark in the first place. Then Uzzah and the ark. And then Jesus Christ and the ark. First of all, David and the ark. Congregation, what happened in the text then centered around the ark of God. And you know what the ark was, right? Wooden chest with a special lid, all, and it was all covered in pure gold. And the Lord God had commanded Moses to make the ark when he renewed the covenant with the people of Israel at Mount Sinai. And that's also why it's called the ark of the covenant. It contained the two stone ta tables inscribed with the Ten Commandments of God's law as we heard them earlier on this morning. And that pure gold lid of the ark was called the mercy seat. And that was where the blood was sprinkled on the day of atonement when the high priest made atonement for the sins of the whole nation of Israel. On that day, he sprinkled that mercy seat with blood. And above that mercy seat were those two solid gold angels who, who looked down on it. And attached to the sides of the ark were four rings, which we'll hear about later, more about later. The ark of the covenant, which signified that God lived among his people by means of that blood of atonement. The ark showed that God had chosen Israel in order to save them, to be worshipped and to be served by them, to be his people. His own people. Well, hundreds of years later, the ark is still there. After the Israelites had gone in, taken over Canaan, the ark is still around. And David, the king of Israel, wanted to bring the ark into Israel's capital, Jerusalem, from the tabernacle where it, had, where it was. For 70 years, it had been stored in a house in Kiriath-Jearim, a little village in the mountains around 20 kilometers to the west of Jerusalem. In other words, in, in a hilly, inhospitable country, away from what was now the capital city of, of, of Israel, the city of David. But now David wanted the ark, the sign of God's living among his people, to be transported to Jerusalem which was more central, more accessible to everybody. David, as it were, wanted to restore the ark to Israel so they could all know and see in their worship that God lived among them and they could all be assured of his mercy toward them 
when the blood was sprinkled on the mercy seat. Oh, congregation, in bringing the ark to Jerusalem, we can assume that David had very good intentions. We sang about that in Psalm 132. He, he wanted to do this. But God is holy, and he is not to be served and worshipped by our good intentions as such. We can presume then that what we're doing would be okay with God, would even please God. But he isn't honored in his holiness by what we ourselves might think or feel is okay with him or honors him or reveres him. No matter who we are or what we've experienced or how old we are, our thoughts and feelings about serving and worshiping God cannot be the measure. His word and his law are the measure of what he wants from us and what pleases him. He tells us what honors and glorifies him. Think of the songs which have been proposed to be added to the book of praise and need to be tested. The ultimate measure of suitable songs for worship in the churches is not how moving or how well put together those songs are, but the ultimate measure is how scriptural and reverent they are. Consider King David. He and all Israel with him were all excited and joyful about bringing the ark to Jerusalem. It was a whole procession of ex excited and singing people which accompanied the ark up toward the city. David presumed that God would want what he wanted. The, the manner that he was bringing the ark to Jerusalem would be the manner what God would be okay with. He presumed that he knew God well enough to know what, that God would be better worshipped with the ark central in Jerusalem, but then that was a good intention, but he neglected to investigate from God's word how he ought to do that, transport that ark. He presumed God would be happy with what he had organized. But then the Lord God stopped that whole parade, excited parade, transporting the ark. He stopped it in its tracks, just outside of Jerusalem, the gates of Jerusalem. He struck Uzzah dead beside the ark. And with that, God showed his anger to King David about what was happening with the ark. And he had to make a point so that all Israel would know from then on too. This is a holy God that you're worshiping. And what exactly was wrong? Well, if you pay attention to the verses 12 to 15, which describe how the ark was brought into Jerusalem three months later, because three months later they did take it into Jerusalem, you see at least two things what were different with that time that they took the ark into Jerusalem. In the first place, you see that instead of the ark being transported on a cart, as was the first time, it was now being carried by the priests. Those rings on the side of the ark were for poles so that the priests could carry the ark on their shoulders. That's what the Lord God had commanded already through Moses. Represented his holiness. Read about that in Numbers 4. Nobody was to touch the ark. 
It was only to be carried by consecrated priests on poles on their shoulders. It was the holy symbol of his presence, his merciful presence among his people. But then you realize David presumed that he knew how to move the ark and that God would be happy with the way he would do it. And in doing that, he did not uphold God as holy before the people as their king. And then there's the second thing that went differently the second time. The second time the ark was being taken to Jerusalem. When those who bore the ark of the Lord had gone six steps, it says that that, that second time David sacrificed oxen and fatted animals. Those were guilt offerings and thank offerings to the Lord as per the law of Moses with the sacrifice of the ox. Oxen, Israel confessed their guilt for all the years the ark had been ignored in Kiriath Jearim. And with the offering of the fatted animal, they expressed thankfulness to God for his presence and devotion, their devotion to him and everything. Those sacrifices had not taken place the first time. David had presumed that those offerings weren't needed when transporting the ark. He was the one that oversaw it all. He presumed that they weren't needed and and he did not acknowledge God as holy. So, yes, David had really good intentions, but he had forgotten that God is holy and may only be worshipped and can only be served as he has made known in his word. He tells us how he wants to be worshipped. Think of what the Lord said to Saul through Samuel some years before. Saul had been told by the Lord to destroy all the animals, all the Amalekites and all their animals. But he had kept the best of the animals to sacrifice to the Lord, he said. And then Samuel said to him, 1 Samuel 15, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to listen than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as a sin of divination and presumption is as iniquity and idolatry. Presumption as iniquity and idolatry. If you presume you know what the God wants, that's like idolatry. And that was David's sin. And our text shows us that our holy God is angered if we decide to worship and serve him as we ourselves think or feel is fine. Then we're presumptuous. Participate in worship only when we feel like it. Or deal with our baptism as it suits us. Good to be baptized, but I'll live as I want. Or deal with the Lord's Supper lightly. No self-examination as if we cannot eat and drink judgment on ourselves at the Lord's table. Think about that for next Sunday. The sin of presumption, self-willed worship. I know what I'm doing. Congregation, our, our holy and gracious God isn't honored by our good intentions and our feelings. He has made known to us in Scripture how he wants to be worshipped and served as the holy God. And that's how we need to approach him then too and worship him. Otherwise, what we do even with the best of intentions is 
is not pleasing to him. He wants us to acknowledge him as holy by submitting our worship to his word. Nowadays, a lot of evangelical churches do their utmost to make worship user-friendly, emotionally uplifting, seeker-welcome. But it's not about people feeling good as such. It's wonderful if they do. But that's not what it's about. It's about humbly Worshipping and acknowledging our holy God. Worshipping Him as pleases Him. In other words, reverently according to His word. And that's, that's actually what reformed worship is about. We come to the second part of the sermon. Uzzah and the ark. David ordered that ark to be taken from Kiriath-Jearim to Jerusalem. It had been there for 70 years. You remember that in the days of Eli, the high priest, the Philistines had captured the ark. And then the Philistine cities were struck with plagues. And so they, they decided they had to return the ark to Israel. Get it out of here. And it arrived in Beth Shemesh on a cart drawn by two cows. And then what happened was the, the, the people of Israel forgot at that time also the holiness of the Lord. The men of Beth Shemesh looked into the ark, lifted the lid of the ark and looked into it. And the Lord God struck 70 of those men dead for doing that. In deep shock, the people of Israel brought the ark to the house of the Levite Abinadab in Kiriath-Jarim and left it there. And that had been 70 years before their, our text. 70 years ago, for us, would be back in 1951. Maybe the people in King David's days had heard something about that incident of those 70 men of Bethshemus struck down, but apparently it didn't make much of an impression on them anymore. It was a piece of old history. The ark was on its way to Jerusalem on a new cart drawn by oxen. Maybe even in imitation of how the pagan Philistines had returned the ark to, to Israel. And the sons of Abinadab, Uzzah and Ahio, they were in charge of making sure that everything went well with the ark on that cart and the transportation of it. All kinds of musical instruments too were played. The people sang and they made merry. But then one of the oxen stumbled and fell. And Uzzah put his hand on the ark of God, put out his hand on the ark. The Hebrew words used in verse 6 for putting out his hand on the ark indicate he just didn't touch the ark or just, no, he grabbed hold of it. And then it says the anger of the Lord was kindled and God struck him down because of his error and he died beside the ark of God. And you might wonder about that. Why did the Lord God find it necessary to strike that man dead in the middle of that festive bringing of the ark into Jerusalem? What, what, what else should Uzzah have done when he feared that the ark would maybe slide off the cart? Shouldn't his action rather have been praised? What if the ark had slid off the cart and fallen on the ground and it had fallen open? Would that not have been worse? 
But note that the text says that the anger of the Lord burned against Uzzah because of his error, his sin. He sinned because he grabbed hold of the ark of God. What was his sin? He wasn't thinking. Thoughtlessness. He had not even considered the holiness of God. God had warned through Moses, nobody, not even the priests, were ever allowed to touch the ark itself. It represented him, his throne, his presence among his people. Azam most likely had the best in mind for the ark itself. He didn't want it damaged, but he caused the anger of the Lord to be kindled against him when he reacted without thinking, without considering the holiness of the ark and the holiness of God himself. With striking Uzzah down at that time, God powerfully reminded the people again, he is holy, and they need to remember that. And our text then also shines a light on how we treat what is holy to God today. When we participate in God's holy day, in worship on God's holy day, and his holy word is opened, and the holy sacraments are administered, does the wonder that we can be involved with those things and meet with the Almighty through those things, does that, the wonder of that enter our minds and our hearts? That we may praise His holy name? Is there reverence in us? Do we think what a wonder that the holy and eternal God who created all things out of nothing, speaks to me in his word, has called me to be his own child, has sealed that to me by holy baptism, and invites me to his holy table of salvation. Because who am I? Conceived and born in sin, sinful and guilty of sin myself. By nature, I fit with and belong to the evil one. Unclean. What a miracle that God wants me for himself. Calls me to himself that I can come to him. And that I can even... And that I even want to sing praise to him, give thank offerings to him when the deacons come with the collection bag. If that sense of wonder and reverence isn't in us at all, brothers and sisters, young people, boys and girls, if we find it all ho-hum and we participate in the worship and service of our holy God thoughtlessly, then our text shows us very clearly that's a sin before God. And it angers him. If I sit and listen with boredom as God's holy law is read and sit with thoughts elsewhere, maybe with my work while his holy word is being opened, and I sing thoughtlessly and pass the collection bag uncaringly, what kind of attitude does that show toward God who made us, who sent his son to save us from eternal damnation? And maybe as far as attitude of reverence toward God, I could also mention how we come to church, how we dress and prepare ourselves 
to meet with him. Congregation, we're confronted in worship with our holy and almighty and eternal creator. And we have to think that's true. Not be thoughtless. Remember Uzzah who was struck down because of thoughtlessness, irreverence for God's holiness. And we can so easily fall into that sin too which caused the Lord's anger to be kindled. And maybe, maybe that's even why the Lord has caused our Sunday worship to be so interrupted over the past two years by that little wee tiny virus. To show us we need to be mindful of what we're doing here. Let's be mindful then of and show reverence for God's holiness as we worship. We come to the last part of the sermon, Jesus Christ and the ark. In the text, God visibly and clearly showed his anger against David's sin of presumption and Uzzah's sin of thoughtlessness and irreverence. But do you know when God's anger burned much more intensely than on that day when his anger burned fully? The form for celebration of the Lord's Supper as you'll hear it again next week, says it so, so plainly and so clearly in the part about self-examination. For the wrath of God against sin is so great that he could not leave it unpunished, but has punished it in his beloved son Jesus Christ by the bitter and shameful death on the cross. Congrega congregation, our holy God did not spare his own son but he gave him up for us all and he struck him down. Had his blood poured out for us on the cross. Cursed. And he was the once for all fulfillment of that holy symbol of the ark and the pouring of the blood on the mercy seat of the ark. The cross shows how great God's wrath against our sin is. And at the same time, it shows how great his love is for us. He gave his son to make atonement for us poor sinners with his blood and with his descent into hell. And through his son, he holds out to us salvation from eternal death. He holds that out to us in word and sacrament and in worship. Abundant forgiveness of all your sins, also your sins of presumptuousness and thoughtlessness, of self-willed worship and irreverence. And now you might think, well, wouldn't it be safer just to simply stay away from church and worship at all if it's so dangerous to deal with God's holiness? If God's anger can so be so kindled against the presumptuousness and thoughtlessness which we fall into so easily, wouldn't it be better just to forget about it all? If David had just left the ark where it was and Uzzah hadn't walked beside the ark to make sure things went well, God's anger would not have been kindled against them, would it? So if we stay away from God's holy word and worship, wouldn't that be safer? Congregation, nothing could be more presumptuous and disrespectful than to have nothing to do with God and His worship. 
you can think of the holy things of God as something like electric power. Electricity is extremely beneficial to us, right? How many things in our homes don't run on electric power today? Electricity. Appliances, machines, lately also a lot of cars on the road. Electric power enriches our lives in so many ways. However, if you handle electricity wrongly, without thinking, if you connect the wires wrong, or you leave them uncovered and you touch them, that power can kill you. That can happen, but that's not the purpose of that electric power. Well, the preaching of the Holy Gospel and the signifying and sealing of it in the sacraments and the whole worship of God on Sundays is, is like electric power. It can kindle God's anger against you and bring condemnation on you if you don't deal with it rightly. Think of the, the Lord's Supper. You can eat and drink judgment on yourself. But that's not the purpose of worship. That's not the purpose. The purpose is to give you peace and blessing. Your hearts. Abundant forgiveness of all your sins through God's mercy in Jesus Christ. Also for the sins of presumption and irreverence. That's being held out here. The worship here is all about the great mercy and love of God for sinners like me and you in Jesus Christ. And so that we might live with God in His glorious presence and His holiness forever and ever. And if you truly see that, then it cannot be that you want to participate in worship with as much reverence and attention as possible. And then by the working of the Holy Spirit, you'll more and more also grow in your love for your God and for your Savior and your desire to live soberly and reverently according to His Word. And it'll become harder and harder to commit those sins of presumption and thoughtlessness because you'll more and more hate those things, sins and flee from them. You pray before the service, Lord, keep my mind focused. And that's the goal of worship, to grow in humble reverence to our holy God and in submission to Him and in love for His worship on His holy day and to be empowered then by the Spirit of Christ to live for Him every day of our lives. Amen.